This is a Willits Point Shea Stadium bound 7 express train. The next and last stop is Willits Point Shea Stadium. It is the Subway to Shea podcast. Anthony Rivera here with you talking about all the news and happenings surrounding that team from Queens, the New York Mets. Episode 97 from the Subway to Shea studio in my office. A big shout out to all the listeners of this podcast. Thanks to every one of you who listened to last week's episode. Got a lot of great feedback about it and for doing this collaboration with Till Mets Do His Part. So I promise there will be a lot more collaborating in the future with Mets podcasters, with Mets content creators, and content creators around MLB. And maybe the minors too, because got to talk about the minor leagues as well. And we've done that in the past. It was a lot of fun chatting it up with my good friend Matt A.B. Ibanez, the co-host of Till Mets Do Us Part. Make sure, if you're not doing so already, to check out his podcast alongside co-host John Sapanaro. You can get that on YouTube, which they do the live podcast there. Or once it's recorded, you can listen to it wherever you subscribe to your podcast. And going from one guest to another guest, because we have another guest coming your way on this episode. So joining me now is a man who needs no introduction, but his accomplishments are so important to the fabric of not only the New York Mets, but to sports media as well. Jay Harwitz has been with the Mets organization for five decades, 43 years to be exact. He got his start in 1980 as the director of public relations for the Mets and held that position until 2001 when he became the VP of media relations. In 2018, Jay took on a new role as VP of alumni relations and team historian. He also hosts the podcast Amazing Conversations with Jay Harwitz. It is an absolute pleasure and honor to have you on the Subway to Shape podcast. I hope that intro did you a little bit of justice, Jay. How are you doing? Well, I appreciate it. Thank you for the time. It's a pleasure being on with you. I got to start off with it, uh, Jay. For those who may not know, can you tell the story of you know joining the Mets organization back in 1980? Sure. I I, I was I had accepted a position at the time to do stats for NBC Sports with Tony Cody. Tony Kubek and Joe Garagiola. And then uh, probably January of 1980, I get a call from somebody who says, hey, I'm Jim McGurney from the Mets. We, we we have an opening in the PR department. We'd like you to come down to interview. And I thought it was a friend of mine named Harold Levine, so I proceeded to hang up on him. And uh, two days later, the guy called back. He says, really, Jim McGurney? Well, once I found out who he was, I called and apologized, and he called me back again. So I flew down to St. Petersburg. Uh, I wound up going to the wrong hotel. Um, and I and I walked into I, I walked to see I went to the Edgewater should have gone to the to the Hyatt and I walked into the food room and Frank Cash and then there was a general manager of the Mets was sitting there with his little white uh, tennis shorts I was so nervous proceeded to knock over a big container of orange juice on his lap he asked me two questions and I remember calling my late mom back to the airport on the way back to the airport I says mom there's no way I got this effing job and 43 years later I'm still here 
So everyone goes through the new job jitters. So when did you start feeling comfortable? And were were there anyone that helped you along the way to make you feel as comfortable as you are now? The guy who was really a big part of my life was, was Joe Torrey, my first manager with the Mets. He, he took me to meet all his friends, uh, Pete Rose, uh, Reggie Jackson, uh, George Brett. He took me to his, his restaurants. He told me how to act with the players. He, he let the players know we have a young kid coming out of college, never been in the pros, to take good care of him. And Joe was my guiding light in the early years. And our guys who are so close friends today, like uh, Doug Flynn and, and Craig Swan, John, late John Stearns, were good to me in the beginning and they helped me out and they stood by me and they were very supportive in my early years. And we all know that the New York media can be, you know, a jungle at sometimes, but you've been able to handle and uh, navigate through it for so long. How do you find balance in pleasing everyone from the front office to the players and coaches and the media? Two simple things, Amy. I had one motto. I would treat the 25th guy on the team like the number one guy, not cater to the all-stars. Go into the locker room, not always go to a locker room and ask for something. What you need has your family, you need some tickets. And my dealings with the media is really three separate masters. Number one master is ownership. Two is the players. Three is the media. It's really hard for a PR person to balance it out, but you have to have honesty, credibility. My motto was don't lie, be honest as much as you can. And especially in this market when there's so many media coming to games, once you get caught in a lie, you're a dead person. So I was, I think through the years, the media knew I was credible, knew I wouldn't make stuff up, knew I wouldn't lead them in the wrong direction. But once you subscribe to those tenants, you can get by and, uh, you know, that's, and that's how I got, got by 38 years in the locker room. Now, quick story for you, for me, um, the first Mets game I ever went to was April 5th, 1998. The Mets defeated the Pirates seven to nothing behind a debut of Masato Yoshi at the time. Uh, my father took me to that game and it was such a big deal for me. I still have the ticket stub. I got pictures on a disposable camera from it. My father and I went to a lot of games. Uh, we had ticket plans 06, 07, right around 2008. You know, I was finishing up college, starting work, or the schedules didn't work out. So we hadn't gotten to a game in a very, very long time. It took more than a decade, but my dad and I finally got to a game together. And the game I took him to was the Old Timers Day game last year. Right. To see his face lit up, watching the Mets alumni return is a moment I'll never forget. And, you know, I can't thank you and the Mets organization enough for putting that together and, you know, bringing it all back to us. I know a lot of Mets fans clamored uh, for it on social media to Mr. Cohen to bring back Old Timers Day. But, you know, what was the process like putting that together? We, you know, it was it was a completely team efforts, uh, team efforts, uh, you know, uh, Emily Epstein. George Whitebread, we just a few people helped. We, we, you know, we, we had, we had gotten a directive of orders from the ownership wanted to bring it back and they let us do what it took to put on a, a great show. We had 68 players playing rides for two people, a family. We got, we got the guys a nice ring. We, we treat them great at the stadium. And the weather was great, and it, it, everything worked out perfectly. Team was playing great. Uh, we hadn't done it in 28 years. Um, uh, you know, it was just a, everything met together, and we topped the day off by being able to retire number 24 from the great Willie May. So, you know, it was just a tremendous, tremendous day. And you know, usually when you do these defensive rains or this happens, but you know, the the the, the, the administration was happy. The 
the players were happy, the fans were happy, and it's well received in the media. So that makes us happy here. With that 28 year break, was there ever talks of bringing it back? You know, in you between know, that time, you know, right? It was, and, and what was dear was to, to to get to come back. We had to get everybody to come back. Could be certain eras of guys. So we went from the 60s, 70s. We had the, you know, God rest his soul, Frank Thomas, uh, you know, Ed Crane, Paul Archievsky, Ron Spoda. We had five managers, Terry Collins, Willie Rainer, Joe Torrey, uh, Bobby Valentine. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, we, 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 we went from the 60s right up into Big Bart Cologne to 2015. So we did it in a way that it wasn't just in one era. We had the old people, the young people. You know, Daniel Murphy made his debut in an old-timers game. So we were able to pull it all together. You know, in the past, we had done things just from a certain era and maybe got a little bit stale. I think the way we did it this time was it wasn't stale and everybody in the whole building was excited. I thought it was absolutely wonderful. It was a great day, sold out crowd, beautiful weather. Everything was awesome. And you mentioned the whole Willie Mays getting his number retired. Right. I know you from a podcast with Nelson George and Colin Hanks that you were a huge I, fan of Willie Mays. How my eyes this- put, put in mind, you know, and I, and we got, we did get criticized just, you know, you know, Willie played for the Mets a year and a half. He dropped a fly ball in Oakland in the World Series. Uh, he had two whatever. It, was, it wasn't about that. It was honoring a legend. You know, the, what he meant to, to baseball. He was really amazing as an American icon. And and we, and you know, it, we got, it went from a pledge with, you know, the owner, the Payson. When Willie came over here in May of 72, Joe Payson pledged to him, when you retire, we're going to retire your number. Somehow it fell through the cracks. It was presented to Mr. Cohn what happened. And we rectified it. Uh, we, we made good on, on a promise by a former owner. And uh, we were thrilled. I mean, he was absolutely thrilled. It meant a lot to him. And, uh, you know, not many players have their numbers retired in two different cities. You know, I think the top of my head is Hank Garrett. Willie Mays, I forget the other ones, but I mean, not not too many people have that. It was the right thing to do. Yeah, and even the players, too, that played with him. I, I interviewed Cleon Jones a couple months ago for his book, and uh, he even mentioned how much Willie Mays was important to me and how much he was pushing to get uh, Willie Mays's uh, number retired. So getting all the players involved was important as well. And it meant, it meant a lot. And it, I, you know, Cleon Jones told me that even though Willie didn't hit for an average, and he was a big guy in the locker. He would position the guys in the outfield, talk to the pitchers, be a cheerleader on the bench. So, you know, and Cleon just felt they wouldn't have gone to the World Series at 73 without him. And speaking of the retired numbers, is there one that you think that should come next? Or is there anyone that you're rooting for to uh, well, come I next? Well, I can't let the cat out of bed. We're, we're progressing. And then we, we, we're right. What, what is it we're trying to do is to beef up the Hall of Fame, beef up the number of retirements. So in the coming years, I think Mets fans are going to be very happy with what we have in store for them each summer. Once again, I'm here with Jay Horowitz, longtime press and media relations legend for the New York Mets. He's now the VP of Alumni Relations and Team Historian. Plus, he has a great podcast called The Amazing Conversations with Jay Horowitz. Jay, let's get into the podcast. I really love this because it's such a great extension of who you are to the organization and your relationship with the players, you know, and, and the Mets getting to see all these people that they've grew up with and the conversations. How did this opportunity come about? Well, when I took this job in 2019, it was suggested to me to do a podcast because I work with all of the guys, you know, 40 plus years and I 
I wanted to have guys on the podcast who I had a personal relationship with. When I do the podcast, I don't look at notes. I do with stories. You know, I, I reminisce. I give you, I just had Howard Johnson on. I think it's a drop tomorrow. So we talked with Howard about his relationship with David Wright, how one of my failures as a PR guy, I couldn't get him a commercial with Howard Johnson Restaurants. Yeah, I always come up with a little, you know, story that I can relate to. I never like to make it. I don't like to look down or to just talk ahead with the guys. You know, guys like Turk Wendell and and, and Johnny Franco and, and Daryl and Doc and Darley and Keith. I try, you know, I've been there long enough that I always have personal stories that relate to these guys. And that's what I hope to transmit in the uh in the podcast. And that's why I love that it's called Amazing Conversations. It's perfect. It's a conversation between friends, right. colleagues. That's what it I makes want. It, yeah, it's yeah, it makes it bit. feel more intimate. You get yeah. stuff out of the guests right. that you probably wouldn't get at a regular interview. And right. when you're doing these podcasts, does it feel like it that it's a podcast or it's just like catching up with friends? I catch up with old friends. You know, I, like I said, I don't use any notes. I don't look down. I come up trying to remember a couple of funny stuff that happens in my relationship with the guys. When I did it with Doc, like when his first game in Houston, he, uh, he, uh, he, uh, he got so nervous he missed the bus, he had to walk to the ballpark. Not many people might not know that. And the fact that Dwight was, you know, uh, 18 wins is, you know, whatever. That's common knowledge. They try and get stuff behind the scenes that the average fan might not know but because of my relationship with the guys, they would know. I know we have the Mets Hall of Fame by the Jackie Robinson Rotunda. Right. You know, I love going there. Uh, really kind of this unfiltered access that you, you know, giving to the Mets legends. It's a game changer and it really helps Mets fans learn and dive into the history of the franchise with the museum, with the podcast. Jay, before I let you go, I have to get into the Mets Hall of Fame class of 2023. Howard Johnson, Al Leiter, Gary Cohen, Howie Rose will be inducted. Uh, right. Also, congratulations to you. You'll be honored with the uh, Mets Hall right. of Fame sure. Achievement sure. Award. Sure. Um, two part question. One, uh, what are your thoughts on this class and what they meant to the organization? And what was your reaction to the announcement that you were going to receive this award? Well, I'll me last. Uh, you know, Howie and, uh, and, and, and Gary are great Met fans. They know more about history than I do. They're passionate about the game. And it's great that we're honoring people that maybe they'll put it on a uniform, but they carry the message to the Met fans and they win and die with every loss and they're great people and great friends. And I'm just glad that we, we were able to recognize these kind of people for their passion and years of service to the Mets. Uh, Howard's uh, selection is long overdue as it has, you know, three times 30, 30 guy, um, you know, um, uh, you know, did, did everything for the organization and my league coach, my league manager, scout, uh, you know, a great part of the team in the late in the late nineties, in, in the early in the early nineties, and, and now for seven years, uh, one of the leaders of the uh, the pitching staff. You know, uh, you know he uh, you know pitched a lot of big games. One one game I remember the most is the wild card game in '99 when he you know two hit the Reds and in a five nothing game he got us into play. A big time pitcher, a great guy. You know, and uh, and you know and Al was at got to Roberto Clemente worked for his charity work and um, and. and you know, Howard lives and dies with the Mets. It's good to have those kind of people have a patch of your club, you know, in the Hall of Fame. They grew up, you know, Mets fans too. I didn't get to see Howard Johnson play, but, you know, growing up as a kid, you get to hear, you know, Tom Seaver was the ace during my time or Doc right. Gooden or, you know, Johan Santana, even Jacob DeGrom. But for me, it was Al Leiter. And, you right. know, he stood out so much. 95 wins, sixth all time in Mets history. So just right. a big part of that whole late 90s run. And, and that's seven years. Piece of trivia. When his son Jack makes it to the major leagues, 
they could become the first family to have four members uh, pitch in the major leagues. He has Mark Leiter, mm-hmm. Al, Mark's son, Mark, and, and and Al and Jack. So that's pretty interesting stuff. And, you know, I mean, I said Jack, Jack is on the fast pace here. So hopefully he'll be the majors not too long. Jay, it's been an absolute honor and privilege to have you on uh, the Subway Street Podcast. I can't, uh, you know, I could talk to you for hours. That's and, fine. You know, my honor. My <laughs> one day you're going to have to have you back on to discuss I your book. Um, I, I, I just started getting into, you know, you know, reading, you know, biographies and books and, and mostly met stuff. You know, I just I read Cleon Jones. I read Bobby Valentine. Your book is on my list. So I want to get you back it. on Hope and, you and have you talk about it. Thanks, man. Jay Horowitz, longtime press and media relations legend for the New York Mets, VP of alumni relations and team historian. Don't forget to check out his great podcast uh, called Amazing Conversations with Jay Horowitz. You can find it on YouTube as well as wherever you subscribe to your podcast and follow Jay on Twitter at Jay underscore Horowitz PR. Jay, thank you very much. Have a great day. Thanks for the time, my friend. Good luck. And I'm see you in the spring. Yes, okay. take care. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot. Wow. How awesome is Jay? Great conversation with him. I hope you enjoyed it. And we got to get into some news of the day. So before this train leaves the station, spring training is less than a week away. Mets pitchers and catchers arrive February 15th. Position players arrive February 20th. Some players have already showed up. Brandon Nimmo, who's looking jacked. Kodai Senga, Max Scherzer, Eduardo Escobar, Omar Nevarez, Francisco Alvarez, and we've seen them working out together, Brett Beatty, Mark Vientos. Those are the guys that I saw. There may be others that I have missed, but those are the main guys they've been showing on SNY and uh, on Twitter, so we get to see them working out. Uh, Very important to see Omar Nevarez working with Francisco Alvarez. That's what he said was his big reason for coming over here as well so it's gonna be fun seeing this Mets team get put together 15 non-roster invitees also headlined by catcher Kevin Parada Alex Ramirez outfielder Tim LaCastro also outfielder that they signed Michael Perez you remember him from last year catching a few games outfielder DJ Stewart who they just recently signed you got left-handed pitcher Josh Walker, right-handed pitcher William Woods, right-handed pitcher Eric Orzi, and left-handed pitcher T.J. McFarland. Those are some of the names, some of the bigger names that are going to be invited to camp. And, you know, this also affects the WBC, right? Because their pitchers and catchers for those teams have to show up February 13th and position players February 16th, so they get a little head start. Some of the Mets in the WBC, Team USA, Pete Alonzo. Jeff McNeil, Brooks Raley, and Adam Adovino for Team Puerto Rico, Francisco Lindor, Edwin Diaz, and pitching prospect Dominic Hamill. Team Venezuela, Eduardo Escobar, Omar Nevarez, and Eliza Hernandez. Team Great Britain, left-handed pitcher Cameron Opp, I think is his name is. Team Italy, right-handed pitcher Claudio Scott, and Team Panama, right-handed pitcher Humberto Mejia, and second baseman Jonathan Arruez. This all came from uh, Philip Martinez on SNY.TV. Obviously, we're going to focus on the main names here, right? From Team USA, Team Puerto Rico, Team Venezuela. Those are most of the guys that are going to be on the main roster of the team, right? Pete Alonso, Jeff McNeil, Adam Adovino, Francisco Lindor. Edwin Diaz, Eduardo Escobar. Basically, the entire infield is going to be gone for a couple of weeks this spring. 
Hopefully everyone stays healthy and that they come back ready in form and ready to go for the season. We spoke about some of the prospects. An unfortunate turn for Matthew Allen. He had UCL revision surgery, a.k.a. Tommy John Part 2. And that is his second Tommy John surgery. Came out from Will Salmon of The Athletic. That's three elbow surgeries now. For Matthew Allen, he will miss all of 2023 and hopes to return in 2024. Major setback for him, and we wish him nothing but the best in his recovery. Some off-the-field news, some organizational news. Keith Hernandez still doesn't have a contract to return as broadcaster for the Mets this season on SNY. The good news, though, from Mike Puma of the New York Post, Progress has been made in talks between Keith and SNY, and to quote Mike Puma, the two sides are considered not far apart on a new multi-year agreement, but there is still work to be done before it can be completed. Some other front office news, Carlos Beltran in, Bryn Alderson out, the Carlos Beltran is returning, the Carlos Beltran, that's right is returning. He will become an assistant to general manager Billy Epler. I know Francisco Lindor and Edwin Diaz has been pushing for that. We read it in uh, Andy Martino's article. A good article. I don't know if you like Andy Martino or not, but a good article on the return of Carlos Beltran. Beltran helped Lindor transition to New York when he arrived here back in 2021. And, you know, Carlos Beltran's ability to teach and evaluate players, being a player himself, is helped him to get to this position and we know he got fired before he could even manage a game in 2020 for the Mets because of this whole Astros sign stealing scandal but it's time to move on from that they did it for Alex Cora they did it for AJ Hinch so it's time to move on from that whole situation a lot of people think that this is to get him set to become manager of the New York Mets I don't think so I think the next manager of the Mets once Buck Showalter steps down or is let go or you know when it's his contract is up I think it's going to be Eric Chavez I think they're going to be grooming Eric Chavez to be the manager we already seen he's gone from hitting coach one year now he's going to be the bench coach so I think he is the next in line to be the manager of the New York Mets but maybe Carlos Beltran will be in a role kind of like Terry Collins remember we mentioned how he can teach and evaluate players maybe he becomes some sort of a high hybrid minor league field coordinator like Terry Collins was back in 2010 with some ties to the major league club. That's why I'm mentioning this kind of hybrid role. Or he could be groomed as a possible GM type. Maybe he can connect players at the negotiation table with Billy Epler. He adds that, you know, player element. And, you know, maybe he can help bring players since he's so respected across the league. So Beltran is back in. Bryn Alderson is out. He was the assistant general manager, son of Sandy Alderson, and has been with the team since 2021. Now, I don't want to speculate if these moods coincide with each other, but it did happen within days of each other. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. Also, I don't know if you've seen Steve Cohen doing a couple of interviews, one video interview with Howie Rose for the Mets Up podcast. The other one was a written article by Jeff Passan, 
an interview that he did with him. I did not read the pass-in because the ESPN Plus, I wasn't going to buy a subscription for that. So the Howie Rose thing came out perfect timing, and they talked about the new scoreboard that's coming in, cleaning up the area, making an entertainment complex so that more people can come through and you know hang out at the games, kind of like there's done in Philadelphia. You can have that in Washington, D.C. too. So the Mets are trying to up the ante with the entertainment outside of City Field. Also, there's new seating replacing suites in the low section. Also talked about setting high goals for the team. Talked about how other team owners need to spend. And that was in the Jeff Passan article. Kind of got that little summary from there. Also talked about alumni engagement. And it's great that we had on the vice president of alumni relations, Jay Horowitz. So good timing on the interview with Jay. Also talked about Bobby Bonilla Day. I feel like this is going to happen at some point. Steve wants to make it happen, trying to get Bobby to do it. And, you know, maybe this will endear Bobby to the fan base and we can all just get over this whole contract thing. I know I'm over it already. And if you haven't seen yet, the Mets commercial they released that's going to be played during the Super Bowl, obviously in our area, they're going to be playing it. But it was pretty fun to see the players in this commercial and to see it get done and hopefully you know it 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 you know brings more fans to the stands i mean them winning 101 games should be enough them having a good team should be enough steve spending should be enough but steve wanted to get a commercial out more power to him more power to the new york mets and it's good to see them kind of like the 80s remember how all the mets players used to be in commercials during the 80s you had gary carter in commercials daryl strawberry in commercials so this is bringing more to the Mets and hopefully the Mets, you know, start selling out City Field a lot more often. I know they struggled during the postseason. I saw it at the game, but this season, more new players on the team. Justin Verlander, Kodai Senga, bringing back Brandon Nimmo, getting David Robertson, re-signing Edwin Diaz. Hopefully all of this turns into a really, really great year ending with a World Series championship for the New York Mets because I want to see champagne popping in October. All right, that will wrap up this podcast. You can follow Subway to Shea on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Subway to Shea. Listen to the show on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Pocket Cast. Turn on your notifications to never miss an episode of Subway to Shea. If you're a new listener to this podcast, I can't thank you enough for joining us, and I hope you consider subscribing on any of the platforms I just mentioned. Also, make sure to share it with your fellow Met fans. Let them know this is the Mets podcast to listen to. Among all the great Mets podcasts that are out there already. So if you want to, please subscribe to Subway to Shea. If you've been a supporter this whole time, I can't thank you enough. This show wouldn't be where it is without you. And because of you, Subway to Shea is global. This podcast is not only played in the United States, but also has reaches across the globe. So no matter where you listen, please take a few minutes to write me a review and let me know what you think of the show, what you like, what you don't like. I got a review here from Tom G817. He goes, Squirrel Extension! And exclamation points. Great episode as always. I'm really liking the co-host as well. And I mean, you're fantastic solo. 
but those co-hosts once in a while just make your of an even more must listen. And hey, we're going to do that. From time to time, we're going to have co-hosts. Obviously, we're going to have guests like we had Jay Horowitz on today. And sometimes I'm going to do co-hosts. I'm always going to reach out to my friends, John Sapinero, also Maddie B. Ivanez. They'll be on in the future as well. And I'll have some other co-hosts as well. So do me a favor, Matt fans. Leave a review like Tom G 817 did. You can also rate the show on Spotify. There's no comment section, but you can give one to five stars. So if you could do that for me, that will help as well if you listen on Spotify. Don't forget to follow my work for Rising Apple. Rising Apple is a New York Mets site on the fans' sided network. You can read my articles by going to risingapple.com or checking out the links in the description of this week's episode. My latest article, a trade retrospective on Al Leiter. You can find that article in the description of this week's podcast. Make sure to follow Rising Apple on Twitter at Rising Apple Blog and the Fan Cited Network at Fan Cited. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I appreciate you all so very much. And that will do it for this week's podcast. Don't forget, listen, subscribe, share, and review. For Anthony Rivera, you've been listening to Subway to Shea. Never forget, always remember, let's go Mets. Mets.